Okay, uh, I don't, uh, normally during the summer, like the shiurim schedule is pretty, uh, is pretty up in the air, but I wanted to just run through the halachas of Tisha B'Av, um, and especially for this year, there's one, there's one area, a lot of years it's, it's Tisha B'Av is like Matzei Shabbos, so it has its own uniquenesses. This one has its own uniquenesses, the, the fact that we spoke about, which is that Matzei Tisha B'Av is Thursday night, and we'll see how that affects some of the halachas. Um, I, I jotted down to me, the main halachas, I'll try to run through them. Uh, if you could just save the questions for the end, because I, I hope to cover everything, and I don't know if it's the right order, but um, so let's, let's start. The, the first, uh, and we'll just do this quick and easy, uh, <laughs> that way if there's any questions, you let me know. But the first major halacha that comes up is the suda mafsekas. Erev Tishabah. There's a mitzvah to have a special suda. It's the last suda before the fast starts. It's called the suda mafsekas. Now, before... You, you, your Suda HaMafsekas is not going to be the Suda that you're actually going to go into the fast with, meaning it's the last Suda, but the Suda HaMafsekas has many restri- uh, restrictions, and that you're not allowed to have two cooked foods. It's bread. The minig customarily is to have bread and to have an egg. That's it. So it's a bread and an egg uh, dipped in ash. So that, that's it. So your Suda HaMafsekas your Suda HaMafsekas is going to be that. So obviously, make sure to eat before because that's the last Suda. The Suda Mahavsekis, I was just saying we're going to run through all the halachas, then afterwards, whatever I don't cover, please let me know. Um, it's, eaten on, it's eaten on the ground. You, you sit on the ground, you sit separate from your family. It's again, it's bread and one cooked food. It's customarily an egg. It doesn't have to be an egg specifically, but it's an egg and an ash, and that's the Suda Mahavsekis. Um, again, obviously, whatever you want to eat, you want to make sure you eat before because that's, that's the last meal. Now, once you're done the meal, that doesn't mean that you have to be makabal the tainus. The halacha is the, the, the fast begins at shkia. So even if, let's say, you bench, you could still drink, you could still uh, sip a little bit, unless you specifically had in mind, I want to accept the fast at the end of the Sudam Apsekis, which most people don't want to do. But at the end of the Sudam Apsekis, the fast begins at Shkia. The Sudam Apsekis, like I said, is eaten on the ground. And it's interesting halacha from Rosh Hashanah Zaman Orbach. Rosh Hashanah writes that even a choyla, someone who the doctors say is not fasting, so he's not fasting, still should have a sudam afsekis. They should still eat on the ground, uh, that halacha. Um, you don't take off your shoes for the suda because as I said, the fast begins at sunset. Before that, it's not, it's not a tainus, and the restrictions, the restrictions of Tishabav do not begin. So that's the halacha of sudam afsekis. Now we're going to run through, again, like I said, I'm going to run through everything that I jotted down, and then happy to take all the questions. Now you started the fast. Now, I'm not going to go through a lot of the halachas for davening because that you come to shul and you know that's uh, the details of kaddish with this guy. We're not doing that, but that, the the parochas are moved off until mincha. Ashkenazim don't put on tefillin for shacharis. Some svaradim do, some svaradim don't, but that that's not it's not what I want to cover. I want to cover more, more of the major halachas. Um, I'll, I'll tell you like this: Who has to fast now? Uh, Tisha B'av is obviously more severe than the other small Tanesim, like Shavasa Batamus and Tainus Esther, and Sam Gedalia, and Asar Batavis, but it's not Yom Kippur. So you have to remember that it's not Yom Kippur. It's a stringent rabbinic Tainus, however, it's not, uh, it's not, it's not Yom Kippur. Um, the halacha is, and this is probably the most common question that I get, and uh, it's like HIPAA laws. Rabbis get to know who's pregnant way before anybody else's, and, uh, and that is, what do pregnant women and, and, and nursing women do they fast? So the Shulchan Aruch writes, pregnant and, wor- and nursing women fast. That's the halach, it's brought down in Shulchan Aruch. That being said, if the doctors, for whatever reason, feel that that woman, she has a history of bad pregnancies or 
a history of fainting or whatever it is, and the doctor specifically says you should not. Okay, it's a different story. Pregnant and nursing women begin the tainus for sure, and they should try to be able to fast the whole thing. That being said, if they're a chayla like any other chayla, you break the fast. Meaning, if a pregnant woman is feeling more woozy and more sick and more dizzy than the average year, you ask a shayla and most Rabbanim will tell you to break the fast. But you start the fast, you definitely should try to fast the whole thing. Nursing and pregnant women fast the whole thing. Now, a Yeledes, a woman who gave birth, does not fast for the first 30 days. That's the Minigan Zizkabal for the first 30 days. She doesn't. How you figure it out exactly 30 days is May Slays from the time that she's, she gives birth. You go 30 days later. That's the Minig that they don't fast for the first 30 days. But like I said, for those specific things, you ask a shayla. But a choyla, and according to most Paiskim, the Netakavril has a truth about it, most Paiskim say that once someone does not have to fast because the doctors say they can't fast, like uh, I know someone who's taking medication, the doctor says you have to eat with the medication or it's going to be a it's mamisha sakana, so you're not fasting. The doctor said you're not fasting, it's not happening. So it's not Yom Kippur, we don't do shiurim, you're not fasting, you're not fasting, that's it, that's it, you know. Again, you shouldn't indulge yourself, I understand you, you're not going to have a steak dinner, obviously you're not going to eat, but you're not going to have a, a pie of pizza, but, but you're not fasting, you're not fasting, it's not like in Kippur where you have to, mamish worry about the shiurim. Okay, so in the morning, one of the restrictions of, t- of Tisha B'Av is you're not allowed to wash yourself. We'll get to all the details in a second, but the first thing you get in the morning, you wash until you die. So halacha is you wash until the kishra adds bows. You wash until the end of the fingers. You wash those because you obviously you have to wash them to remove the ruach ra and to natil sidaim of the shachris. And the truth is, if your hands get dirty, you could wash them. If you go to the bathroom and your hands get dirty, you should wash your hands. Now, again, you wash the part that's dirty, so you wash the fingers. And if your palm gets dirty, so you wash the palm too. But that's the that's the first thing you do in the morning is the rechitza. Now, a lot of people ask. It depends on who you ask, which place can talk about. Shmuel talks about this, not the Gabriel, and that is brushing your teeth and um, brushing your teeth, washing your mouth, and mouthwash. Those, those three. So the truth is like this Yom Kippur, nothing. Yom Kippur, you're not doing anything. But again, Yom Kippur is Yom Kippur. For small Tanesim, the Mishabur writes that for washing your mouth out, it's better to avoid it. It's better to avoid washing your mouth out because the concern is if you wash your mouth out, you might come to swallow a little bit. The Mishabura writes that if you're in a lot of tsar, sometimes people in the morning and they have like morning breath, it really, really bothers them. So Mishabura says, okay, if it really bothers you, you could rinse your mouth out, but make sure your head is facing down so that the water can't spill backwards. Uh, it seems to be from the Neta Gavriel and from Shmuel and from Halich Shleiman and from many Paiskim that mouthwash and toothbrush is the same thing. And that is, it's better to avoid rinsing your mouth out, it's better to avoid brushing your teeth, and it's better to avoid mouthwash. Just don't do anything. And if you're uncomfortable, everybody's uncomfortable. Nobody, nobody smells good and nobody feels good. That's the whole point of the day. If a person is mamish bothered, mamish bizarre, and it's making them crazy, okay, fine, so you could rinse your mouth out with mouthwash. You know, Roshua was lenient, and Roshua Mizam was lenient, or Moshe was machmer, but okay, many Paiskim are lenient, and toothbrush also, you could brush your teeth. Again, if you have no, if it really bothers you, it really bothers you, but, but uh, try to avoid it, because again, like I said, everybody, we're all in the same boat together on this one, nobody's going to smell good, and nobody's going to feel comfortable, but that's, that's basically the Avoid HaYoyim. Now, one, yeah, that's true. Oh, that was better, that was a tough, that was a tough time to start you, the mask here, but the truth is, after Chatzais, I want to make this a bit of a misconception. People think that after Chatzais, things get mutter. After Chatzais, there's only two leniencies, to my knowledge. Uh, you're allowed to sit on chairs. We'll get to sitting on chairs in a moment. After Chatzais, you could sit on chairs, and you should sit on chairs. You shouldn't sit on the floor anymore. You're not supposed to sit on the floor after Chatzais. After Chatzais, we're lenient that you sit on a regular chair. 
And certain type of malachas, certain type of activities, which dis- not distract you, they're necessary, but they are not in the morning you know, type of vibe, that you could do after chatzais. I'll give you an example. You have a woman who's, let's say, she has to take care of, she has, I don't know, she, the kids need her to do something in the house. It has to happen, whatever it is. It's okay, if you do it after chatzais, it's better. But after chatzais, it's not like you can't learn Torah after chatzais, you can't uh, wash your hands after chatzais. Chatzais is not a heta for a lot of things. It's for those specific things. It's for sitting and for certain activities. If a person has to do malacha, a person has to work, it's, the truth is, if you work on Tisha B'Av, it's in, you're not going to see bracha from what you're working. So you shouldn't be working at all. But let's say a person has, uh, I don't know, he has a permissible job. So let's say he has a supermarket. Supermarkets are going to stay open the whole time. But let's say in the, you, know, you have a certain thing, you have a deadline that you have to do, or you lose a lot of money. Uh, you have to send an email. The truth is, you shouldn't be doing that on Tisha B'Av. After Chatzais, it's better to do after Chatzais. But after Chatzais is not a... It's not this like magic elixir that after chatzais you could do stuff. Pashtas, most most things don't change after chatzais to before chatzais. Huh? Again, like I said, it's better for a person not to work at all. Because, like I said, if you work on Tisha B'Av, you're not going to see bracha. But if a person has to, they have uh, commerce and they have to do it and then they're going to lose money, I would at least do it after chatzais. But if you could avoid, if you could push off these things, it's, it's better to push off these things on Tisha B'Av. It's definitely ideal. But, but like I said, if you have to, like if you're going to have a person, they say, listen, my boss is, is telling me I'm going to get fired unless I show up, unless I do this meeting, unless I send this email or write this essay, whatever it is. Okay, fine. I would at least do it after Chatzos. But uh, ideally, I would avoid the whole thing entirely. Tisha B'Av is a, it's not a day for work. That's the truth. Just to run through a couple more things. If you have to... Um, just a quick halacha. Someone called me last year. They have a ticket. They booked a ticket to Eretz Yisrael and they didn't realize that it was Tisha B'Av. So they asked me, is it a problem? I said, no, of course not. It's not a problem at all. Shalom Zalman Orbach and Halicha Shalom wrote, you can go to Eretz Yisrael on Tisha B'Av. Although traveling is not the safest thing in the world and we try to avoid travel on Tisha B'Av, Eretz Yisrael, that's what we're trying to get back there. So it's, I definitely can go to Eretz Yisrael. So she said, does that mean that my fast is short? I said, absolutely. The halacha is that when you travel, you're bound by the laws of the area of the land that you're above. So it's not like if you're if you start your tainus in America and you go to Eretz Yisrael, it's not like you have to stay, it's not like you have to fast another seven hours. You got a shorter tainus, you lucked out. Vice versa, that would be an extended tainus. But that's the halacha. Okay, so let's just run through some of the halacha, some of the stringencies. Sitting on the ground. So obviously you're not allowed to sit on chairs on Tisha B'Av. So you have to sit low to the ground. You, you, the, the truth is the minig is to be lenient with any low stool that's below 12 inches. Below 12 inches, the minig is to be lenient. It doesn't have to be mamish on the ground, but, but ideally below, um, I would go below 12 inches. Some of these stools are pretty high, and I, I would not sit on those. I would sit below 12 inches. Now, if a woman is pregnant or elderly person or someone's a chayla and sitting on the floor is incredibly uncomfortable, then you could sit on a regular chair. We're not going to make a pregnant woman sit on the floor. She could sit on a regular chair. Um, after chatzais, not only are you allowed to sit on a chair, you should sit on a chair. That's a certain... We don't want uh, to extend our velas past what we have to. So even though after chatzos, all the other stringencies still kick in, sitting on the floor is not something that you should do. After chatzos, you should sit on a chair. Now, washing your hands, as I said, you're not supposed to wash any part of your body. But let's say like this. Um, you want to know, could a kid take a shower on Tisha B'av? So the truth is, once the kid reaches the age of chinuch, how old is the kid for the age of chinuch? It depends on the child. When the kid is old enough to understand that today's a sad day for Klal Yisrael and we don't wash ourselves, the kid's four or five, that he understands that you're not let, you shouldn't wash him either because there is an Indian of a certain level of uh, chinuch 
from, uh, even though generally we don't mechanech people in pain, we're not mechanech for avelas, but for showering we try to tell them not to take a shower. But a lot of times you'll have the following shayla. You have a baby, and the baby is dirty, the baby uh, urinated, whatever it is, the baby is going to get a diaper rash unless they take a bath. So, obviously, you, you, ba- you bathe the baby. If the baby needs a bath on Tisha B'Av and it's going to get a diaper rash, then you bathe the baby. I, what about the mother whose hands are getting dirty? So, the Neta Gavriel brings down that you should wear gloves. That's the Neta Gavriel's psak, that she should wear gloves. That way she's not, uh, she's not benefiting. The truth is, for a baby, I don't know, it would be a little tough to wash a baby with gloves. Rishmul Kamenetsky holds you don't have to. So, if you want to be lenient, you have to rely on, but if you're able to wear gloves, that would be better. The next one is where gloves, I think, is a little more relevant. Let's say you have a situation where you have a lot of dishes, and if you wait, ideally, you don't wash the dishes until after Tisha B'Av, but you're afraid that if you don't wash the dishes until after Tisha B'Av, you'll get bugs, and you'll get flies, and you'll get uh, infestation. It's more Negea upstate, where there's a camp, you have a lot of dishes. So that, the Paiskim say, you could wash dishes on Tisha B'Av, again, after Chatzais, for that, I would wear gloves. Again, I would wear gloves so that the, the woman's hands are not immersed in water. But even if you don't wear gloves, because the cheshben is that your intention, the woman's intention is not to do rechitz. Her intention is to wash the dishes. Uh, just a couple other things. You're allowed to put something cold on your body. That's not rechitza. An ice pack is not rechitza because an ice pack is not wet enough. In halacha, there's thing called tefeach, tefeach, right? This cup of water has a little bit of moisture on the end. That wouldn't be a problem on Tisha B'av. But when it's so moist, that is called tefeach ha'menas lahatfiach, which means that it's so moist that my hand is now able to moisten other hands. That my hand is so wet that it can, if I touch you, you're wet. That's a problem. So an ice pack is generally not tefeach amenas lahatzviach. So a person could put an ice pack on himself on Tisha B'av, and that's not going to be a problem. So one other halach I forgot to mention. I mentioned this Friday night. It's a big, big, big kula. The paiskim, the first part's not a kula. The first part is pretty posh. But the paiskim say that if a person's not feeling well, even if he's not like a choyla shame by sakana, not bedridden, but he's in pain, you're allowed to take pills on Tisha B'av. Pills are fine. You could take Tylenol, Motrin, Excedrin. That's fine. Someone has blood blood pressure medication, that all medications are fun. Shlomo Zalman Orbach and Rishmuel Kamenetsky, they hold that if a person needs a little bit of water to get the pills down, they could take it. Which is, a, that was a big cooler to me, but, but that's, that's a sacra. Shlomo Zalman Orbach and Rishmuel Kamenetsky, these, these uh, you know, is uh, as big as they get, and they feel that you could take a little bit of water to get the pills down, just enough to get this, that the pill doesn't stuck, st- stay in your throat. So, I would try to take the pill without it, personally, but if, you, if it's not working, you take a little bit of water to get it down, so Shalim Zaman Orvach says it's mutter, then it's, it's definitely mutter. Um, now, going back to the washing, the truth is like this. This is similar to the laws of Shiva, and that is, when washing is usur, right, there's two different types of washing. I take a shower because it feels good. I'm clean now. I feel good. That's a for sure. Also. Let's say I'm super sweaty. Just under my arm is super sweaty. So I just want to wash under my arm. The truth is, that's mutter. Even on Tisha B'av. The haraya, and I'll prove it to you. When you go to the bathroom, your hands are dirty. No one says you shouldn't wash your hands. Right? Why are you allowed to wash your hands? Because you're not washing for pleasure. You're washing for nikiyos. You're just washing so that you're not dirty. So the truth is the same thing as sweat. It will be the same thing. However... For sweat, if you could avoid it, I would avoid it. Um, I would avoid washing any part of your body unless you're, you're 
the only time I would be comfortable being lenient practically is that if someone is really sweaty and they're afraid they're going to get a rash and it's very uncomfortable, okay, you want to wash that uh, part of the body, fine. But if you're sweaty, although it's technically mutter to wash that part of the body, the, the minig of Klal Yisrael is to go through 25 hours without washing, and if you could get by, I would, although it is technically on a, on a specific level, sweat is technically you're allowed to wash that part of the body, but I, I, I would not feel comfortable if anyone walks into their house and they hear someone getting out of the shower and they say they're sweaty. I, that's not... Minig of Klal Yisrael is to be machmer. I, I would try to be machmer. It's well, definitely why, possible. Why isn't it similar to showers? What do you mean? Like cleaning the sweat. No, no, so it's technically mutter. Well, it why, is. It's not, why is it not similar to like a shower or something? No, what do you, what do you mean? No, the, the why reason why showers... No, no, no. So sh- showers are a problem. First of all, because showers are cleaning not just the sweaty part. They're cleaning the whole body. Also, when a person takes a shower, a lot of times, at least most people, they're not taking... Okay, I guess it depends on the situation. But a lot of times you're taking a shower not because, not because I'm so sweaty, I'm in pain. I'm just like, okay, I'm a little dirty. And there's a tanug element. But sometimes, I'll give you an example. You have it where you're walking on Shabbos. You're walking for two hours in the sun and you're sweating. A shower over there, if you were to take a nice cold shower, that's not tanug, that's, I'm, I'm disgusting. There's a difference between rechitza for pleasure, which is a problem, and rechitza to remove zeya, which is mutter. But like I said, I wouldn't do it. I'm telling you right now, I wouldn't do it. I would stick it out 25 hours. I, I would just, I would just uh, put yourself in a cold room, and I, I would stick it out. Now, a couple things. Um, if a, like I said, if a baby, uh, you could, a uh, brush, you could do it. Oh, one of the, one of the restringency, one of the, the restrictions on tishuv of is sicha. Uh, anointing yourself, like oils. Now, we don't really have that, but we have one application, and that's deodorant. Deodorant is considered sicha. The Paiskim say that for Tishabov, and Yom Kippur might be different, for Tishabov, sicha is mutter if it's to remove an odor. Meaning, you're not allowed to put like perfume just because you want to smell nice. That's a problem. But if a guy, if a person is sweaty, and you want to mask sweat, deodorant is permitted on Tishabov, which is why back to the other one, I wouldn't take a shower. I would use deodorant. Sicha is mutter lahaver azuama to remove uh, an odor, to remove uh, uh, you know sweat. That is permitted because that's not the type of sicha that is uh, that is forbidden. Sicha that's more for pleasure, and that the minig is to be lenient. Now a couple more things, and then hand cream. Uh, it, it would only be if there's um, hand cream. I would only do it if uh, the shmuel says if your hand is cracked and it's hurting you, then I would do it. But outside of that, I would not do it. For 25 hours, I would not do it. A um, couple more things, and then happy to open it. Uh, shoes. You're not allowed to wear leather shoes. Now, there was a big shayla in the post game. Those shoes, I don't think they have any leather. Maybe a little strip. My shoes don't have leather. Uh, uh, Asics, right? Asics. They don't have leather. So, but they're very comfortable. I'm saying they're sneakers. They're like my regular sneakers. They just happen to not have leather. So is it appropriate? Is it a problem? So it depends who you ask. Uh, Rosh Hashanah felt that it's not appropriate to wear these things. He felt that part of Tisha B'Av is you should have Tsar, and therefore, while technically the Isser was leather, but if you have fully functioning sneakers that are like super comfortable, he wasn't a fan. He would say you should wear the old slippers and the old, you know, like the old, uh, the old uh, basketball shoes from the 70s, whatever you call the company was. Exactly. Rosh Kamenetsky's Mekel, I can tell you in America... Many are lenient. Listen, if you could be machmer, great. If you want to be lenient, you have what to rely on. Technically, there's no iser. If there's no leather, that's not what Chazal asked. Is it in the spirit? 
It depends, uh, you know, listen, it depends who you ask and it depends where you're holding personally, as I spoke about a couple of Shabbos ago. If, if, you're, if, you're, if you're not holding there, again, you know, that's not the, you keep halacha, but it's a shaila, it's a machlekes. I would ideally wear Tisha B'Av shoes, but if you have to weigh everything, you know, I mean, I'll show you, I've mentioned this before, the Chidah, the Chidah writes that every, uh, every Chumrah is a Kula, and every Kula is a Chumrah. It, it, you can't, and uh, just to explain, an example of this is Rav Yaakov Emden. Rav Yaakov Emden. Rav Yaakov Emden writes this. The Chida also is meramis to this this Chumra Kula. It's interesting. It's true with everything. You machmer one thing, you make on the other. It's always it's impossible to be. It, it always has a cause and effect. So Rav Yaakov Emden says that the Chumra of Titnius, right? We all know that Ashkenazim don't eat rice on Pesach, right? We don't eat rice, beans, and all these things. So Rav Yaakov Emden says if we're up to him, he would abolish it. Why? It's a big Chumra. But he says it's a tremendous kula. It leads to a big kula. Why? Because rice can never turn into chametz. No matter how much you prepare it, it's never chametz. It's not chametz. It might look like chametz, but we're not avoiding it because of chametz. We're avoiding it for other reasons. Because Ashkenazim don't eat rice, and we don't eat beans, and we don't eat like 30 things, and peas and peanuts and all these things, peanuts and shayla, whatever. We don't eat all these things. So what do we eat more of? Matzah. Says Rivakavemdin, what could turn into chametz? Matzah. So he said, so you're causing the production, you're making make people make much more matzah at a much greater production because you're not eating rice. But what could actually turn into chametz? Matzah could turn into chametz if not prepared properly. So he said, it's, it's, uh, it's a chumra that uh, creates a kula and vice versa, everything's like that. So I'll give you an example. For me personally, I've thought about this. You have to also know, you have to know who you're playing with. You're talking with Hashem, so you have to have, as MS, MS, MS Lamita, if I don't wear the right shoes, and I like Yom Kippur, and I stand for too long. My back starts to hurt, and my knee and my knees hurt, and everything. And now I'm, I'm not davening anymore. So you have to, you know. So it's like you're being machmer not to wear sneakers. But then the whole davening, all I'm thinking about is the fact that these shoes are driving me nuts. So then you have to know: is it a chumr? Is it a kula? Whatever. Okay, a couple more things. We spoke about this before, and it's an interesting thing. Tisha B'av, you now learn Torah. Ironically, it's probably the day that most more Torah is being learned on Tisha B'av. Than any other day of the year. You go on Torah anytime and Chazak and 24 hours Torah, 24 hours Torah. Okay, it's a beautiful thing. You're not allowed to learn Torah. So, what are you allowed to learn? So, it really depends on how you look at it. I'm more of an, a viewpoint. I'm more of the, I'm in the camp that you could learn more than you think. Right? There's two, there's two approaches to what's going on over here. You could say, you could be more of a Kanoi and say they're wrong. I'm more in the viewpoint of, I think you could actually learn more than people think you can. Like, 30, 40 years ago, if you'd ask rabbis, what could you learn on Tisha B'Av, they would tell you the same thing. The laws of Tisha B'Av, you could listen to this year, that's about it. You could learn the Gemaras and Gittin that we just had, Kamsa Bar Kamsa, and you could do the comments, huh? The Gittin, the Gemaras and Gittin that deal, that we just had, it was a Nun Zion to Nun Tess, whatever it was, that deals with the stories of the Chorban. It's like three pages. Kamsabar, Kamsa, those Gemaras, and uh, the Medrash Eicha. That's it. So, but as you get older, it's sort of developed. I could tell you the Paiskim extended it. The Netta Gabriel brings down that you could learn Musr, because Musr breaks you down, it tries to make you close to Tashem, but not the Musr that's like Midrashim, like a the Drush. Not like where, you know, like the Shari Tshuva is going through three pages to explain, like the Shemir Munim, Revaral Roth, you could learn some of his Svarim, but three pages where he's darshaning psokim, that's not really what you're supposed to be doing. You could learn simple chasidus, not heavy, but like 
vart from the Kedusha Slavi to make you closer to Hashem, that, that the Paiskim, that many Paiskim are lenient. And I'll tell you, the Netzach Avril brings down that many Paiskim are also lenient. You could listen to stories of Sadiqim. So you could read a, a biography, a biography of Sadiqim, many Paiskim are lenient. That, that's, uh, listen, uh, I can tell you, pe- people practically do, you listen to these shirim. It's, 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 uh, it's like a regular shir, but uh, you should try to try to <laughs> keep it within the scope of that. As <laughs> Listen, we're going to have, uh, we're showing uh, the old gold videos the downstairs, which are nice, but uh, is it Tyra? Not really Tyra, but it's it's all trying to get you close to Tashem. So it's, uh, over time, it's sort of like the minute of Klal Yisrael has leaned in that direction to not be super kanoyish about this. But it is an interesting, it's an interesting phenomenon of how this works out. Uh, just to end off, uh, the major halachas that are different this year than other years is Matzei Tishabav. Okay? So Tishabav is the ninth of Av. To, the day after Tisha B'Av is Asara B'Av. The halacha is, the Gemara tells us that the Beis HaMikdash continued burning to the next day. So because of that, all the restringents, the stringencies of the nine days, no meat, no wine, no laundry, no haircuts, no showers, continue until the next day Chatzos. That's the average year. The question is, what about this year? Because this year, Tisha B'Av is over Thursday night which means the next day is Friday, so the Kavit Shabbos. So I'll tell you like this, the Paiskim say for this year, what is the same? No meat until the next day Chatzos. No wine until the next day Chatzos, because what do you need meat or wine for? It's not Kavit Shabbos. You don't need a meat breakfast Friday morning in the Kavit Shabbos. No music until Chatzos Friday, because again, why, why, you know. But what is different this year is showering, haircuts, and laundry. Now, showering during the nine days, people have, uh, whatever, just try to take a coolish shower. The island is not that much. Let's talk about haircuts and laundry. That's tachlis, haircuts and laundry. Um, you definitely can do them Friday morning. You don't have to wait till Chatzais because for Kavit Shabbos, no one's going to make you wait until Chatzais Friday to do laundry and to get a haircut. For sure, Friday morning at dawn, you could do it. For sure. Many Paiskim, though, are lenient from Thursday night. So for practical halacha, for laundry and for haircuts, I would tell you like this. If you could wait till Friday morning to do it, wait. But if you find yourself in a situation where your barber is not available Friday morning, he's only available Thursday night, or the laundromat, you only have access to a laundry machine, or you know your schedule, you can't wait till Friday morning, so Thursday night, so ideally you wait for Friday morning, but you have it Thursday night, uh, you have what to rely on. That's these halachas. Um, uh, I'm happy to hear any questions, but listen, hopefully hopefully we still got time. We still got time. We don't have to do this yet. We still got 24 hours for Mashiach to come. We don't have to do this uh, craziness. Uh, regarding learning tomorrow until Chatzos. So eh, this is the Shiloh. The Ramah says that there are those that are Makbid, that from Chatzos on, you don't learn on Erev Tishabav, except. But here's the thing. Are you not going to learn? Meaning, if I tell you that after Chatzos, you could only learn Hilchas Tishabav and Yanei Tishabav, and then you don't learn, then that's, that's a net loss. So if you find yourself that you actually could learn things that are related to Tishabav tomorrow afternoon, but if let's say you're going to do Daf Yaibi, and then you hear that you can't do, you can't learn, so you're just going to go watch a movie, then I don't think we win. I, I think that it was a net loss, and, and I would rely on many Paiskim who hold that you could learn Hilchas, you could learn regular Talmud Torah up to Shkia, and that's what I would do. So it just depends on the person and the circumstance. Just to clarify that point, I saw the Paiskim are leaning to use deodorant, even though you're doing it before you sweat, but it's still to mask or prevent odor. It's not to make you smell nice, it's meant to stop 
from uh, sweating and from the smell odor, and then, then, then the Paiskim are leaning to use deodorant. You asked about saying Tehillim. I forgot. So Tehillim is a machloikas. Many Paiskim are lenient. Again, it's the same thing. First of all, if you're saying it for a chol, it's fine. Many Paiskim say that if you could wait till after Chatzos to say Tehillim, that would be better. But like I said before, you're not going to say Tehillim, and then what are you going to do instead? If <laughs> Tehillim, Halavai, that should be the biggest problem. If you're saying Tehillim on Tisha that's not the end of the world. But I, I would definitely, Tehillim, you could say, you could say all the things that we say as part of davening, but the things that are extra, I wouldn't say. Like, I, I wouldn't say Perik Shira. Or the Tehillim Yomi? Yeah, I would, I would tell him, I would, I would say. I would say the Sheish Schiris, I, I would say that, but I, I wouldn't say Perak Shira. Like, I, I, I wouldn't say that. The things that are not part of... I wouldn't say that. No, the, the things that are... the thing, I would stick to the things that we say in the Siddur daily. The things that are said daily, that's fine. The things just added, that we add, I would pause. And again, whatever school is, Hashem knows why you're pausing. You're not pausing because you're not interested. You're pausing because it's Tisha B'Av. I don't think it would be a problem. Yeah, yeah. So, Sha'asali Kotsarki, it's, it's different, different opinions. Some say to say it. Some say don't say it. Um, I, I would just follow the Nusach. I, I think most people are going to say it. I won't say that. <laughs> you close your eyes and you pick which city you're going to pick with. I think the minig is to say it personally. The minig is to say it because you're making more of a bracha on tzrachim in general, even if it's not related to you specifically that day. There's another halacha that I could tell you. I, the minig of Klal Yisrael is not to be mocked about this. After Tisha B'av, we say Kiddush Levana. Although technically, if you look at the Paiskim, they would say that it's better to say Kiddush Levana be'echidus with shoes on than Kiddush Levana with a minion in slippers, so maybe that's why it's good to wear sneakers, so you got no problem, but uh, the minute Klal Yisrael, I could tell you, is after, after Tisha B'Av, everyone goes inside and says, Kiddush Levana, I get that. The minute of Klal Yisrael is not to, not to be mockbit about eating first and drinking first and wearing shoes, they, they, they just say it. I, that, that, to my knowledge, right after Tisha B'Av, everyone's going to go outside like they do Yom Kippur and they're going to be in their slippers and they're going to say it together. That, that, to my knowledge, is the minute of Klal Yisrael.